Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of my brand new podcast. For those of you who I haven't met before, my name is Mary Kay, and Ladies Who League is my website, my Twitter account, my Instagram, and very slowly taking over my entire life. While Ladies Who League mainly talks rugby league, I'm going to use this show as an opportunity to introduce you to some of my fabulous friends, talk plenty of sport, and that's all sport, and hopefully have some giggles along the way. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my panel today. We'll be talking Super Bowl 50, Rugby 7s and the Auckland Auckland 9s. Um, A very warm welcome to you, Monia Gerard, netball extraordinaire and my very first guest on the Ladies Who League podcast. Good morning. Morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. That's good. It has been a massive week in sport this week. Uh, What's caught your eye? Oh, there's a few things. Um, The Rugby 7s in Sydney was a massive, massive weekend. Um, if you haven't ever been to a sevens, I think the Sydney version would be a, a good experience. Um, the rugby league nines was, was happening over in Auckland, obviously. And there's a few other things too, like the Super Bowl. So I'm super jealous that you were at the rugby sevens. I was in Auckland for the nines and would have loved to have been able to sort of go to both events. It just looked like a tremendous celebration of sport. It was unreal. It was just a party atmosphere from Saturday to Sunday and people dressed up. You know, you hear about the Hong Kong Sevens back in the day where everyone mm-hmm. just came in their groups and, you know, in their attire, whichever it was, and Sydney was exactly the same. I think my brother went in his budgie smugglers. Were there a lot of budgie smugglers around? He would have been on screen. They had a lot of people on screen. Well, my brother's pretty good looking booty. as well. So, Oh, there you go. He would have just put his face onto the screen for sure. The cameras were pretty cool. The, the whole setup was unreal. Like if – if you ever wanted to experience a sevens um, tournament, the Sydney version should be one of the ones on your list. Oh, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that a bit later with um, one of our special guests, Jill Scanlon. But for the moment, we might go to a quick break and then come back and talk about Super Bowl 50. Unreal. And we're back. And our first topic for this morning is Super Bowl 50. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, are there any three words more hallowed to football fans in America? Uh, this year saw the underdogs, the Denver Broncos, looking for that fairy tale ending against the Carolina Panthers. So we had Peyton Manning versus Cameron Newton, the Panthers versus the Broncos, youth versus seasoned campaigners. Joining us to talk Super Bowl 50 and talk us through what in the end was a very comprehensive win by the Broncos is Mel Dinyaski from Fox Sports. Hi, Mel. Hey, how's it going? Very well. How are you going? Um, very well. I'm, I'm just still coming down from the Super Bowl on Sunday oh, or Monday morning, our time. <laughs> it was a pretty phenomenal game in the end. Um, so where were you for Super Bowl 50 and what were your thoughts on the game? Um, unfortunately, I was at work, as I am <laughs> most Super Bowl days these, these days. But um, yeah, it was great. We were running a live blog as um, one of the most popular events surprisingly in Australia that we run online all year. So um, my thoughts on it? It was uh it was an interesting game. I think a lot of people obviously thought that the Panthers would uh come away with the win. Uh they were the heavy favorites, but um Denver that defense just completely smothered Cam Newton the quarterback and uh gave him no chance and it was it was a stunning way to send out Peyton Manning. Yeah, Mel, uh, Mon speaking with the hey, quarter- Mon. how you doing? 
With the quarterback, um, he had an unreal season up till the grand final. What do you like? What do you think that came down to? It's um, it's a tough one. They, as you said, the Panthers they only had one loss all season. They went seventeen wins, one loss. They almost went undefeated. And um, Cam Newton was he was at the crux of all that. He's the leader of that team. He plays with a lot of flair, a lot of swagger, yeah. and that's that's very infectious for the rest of the team. And he was throwing more touchdowns, running in more touchdowns than he has all in his career, in his young career. Um, but when it came to the big dance... Um, that was his first I, grand final too, wasn't it? Um, it was his first Super Bowl appearance, correct. It's only the second time the Carolina Panthers as a team have been, and uh, they got beaten as well the last time. So, you know, maybe there's hope for three times the charm if they make it there again. Cam Newton certainly has plenty of years ahead of him to, to get there. He's only 26 years old. So um, Peyton Manning is 39, so that gives you a bit of an idea of, of, of just how much longer he has in the game. Yeah, Manning is a little bit of a freak, though. <laughs> so is that family. Incredible. So that'll be... He's the first and only quarterback to win two Super Bowls with two separate teams. Um, Mel, is he the greatest? Well, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> he's certainly a future Hall of Famer, that's for sure. Um, it's quite amazing that family. As you said, his dad um, was a quarterback for New Orleans and his brother, Eli Manning, plays for the New York Giants. He has two Super Bowl rings himself um, with the Giants. So um, it's quite a family. And not a very big (laughs) smile on his face after his brother won the game. I'll be exactly the same, to be honest. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, it's my brother winning the Super Bowl, like winning the championship, and I'm sitting in the lounge room watching it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm in the box, obviously. but Mon, did you see any of the memes? The name? Oh, yes. The memes? They made me laugh. I think my favourite was one with Eli Manning there and underneath it said, this is a cardboard cutout of Eli Manning. He's actually at home doing his laundry. I would be doing the same thing. I'd be hating on my brother, throwing every can I found in the cupboard. I just, yeah, I'll be jealous big time. So I think like, even if I wasn't happy, I'd put on the big fake smile and be cheering and screaming. I'll definitely be happy for your brother, but you'd want to be there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You'd want to be out there on the field. Yeah. Um, Mel, what did you think of the halftime show and Lady Gaga and her rendition of the national anthem? Oh, Lady Gaga was amazing. By the way, the, you can bet on everything at the Super Bowl and you could bet on um, how long this, the anthem would go. And I had oh, really? a friend who uh, made some dosh on her going over two minutes with oh, the well US done. <laughs> Is there a, a time limit they are allowed to have? For that no, anthem? no time limit. That's oh, their moment. Wow. And a um, few people get invited back to the Super Bowl uh, to, to perform again. Beyonce, for instance, she's the first female to be featured twice at the halftime show. So that's quite unbelievable. Um, she was only there a couple of years ago in 2013. I have so, to say, I felt I felt a bit sorry for Coldplay. So Beyonce and Bruno Mars... <laughs> are phenomenally talented and no one comes yep. close to Beyonce. Let's be real. No one even comes near to touching <laughs> the queen. She's all right. She's all queen right. Queen B. <laughs> she is Queen B and Coldplay got a pretty bad rap for um for their performance, but I thought they were okay. Because they're different, you know. Those, those other two, they were a little bit gangster. So, you know, Coldplay had to come in and try to swagger his way in, you know. <laughs> so it was a bit hard, but I thought he did a great job. I, I so loved too. it. I he loved brought it. peace. And the love. So they all had to sort of play their role too. Remember Beyonce and Bruno sort of brought the party a little yeah, bit after exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Their little Well, they've got walk. the bangers, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> um, I have to be honest, Super Bowl isn't, well, the NFL isn't something that I've watched a lot of in the past. Um, for someone that's sort of keen to get into the NFL ne- next year, do you have any tips? Ooh, um, 
Well, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, what got me into it was Tom Brady, and uh, for many reasons, including that he's very handsome and mm-hmm. uh, very capable quarterback. Um, that's a but good <laughs> and they're also on a winning team, so that's what got me into NFL. But I think as a sports fan. It's just such a peculiar sport. There's so many rules. There's so many like weird things that are involved in the game. Just very, very strange. And uh, to me, that's what fascinated me and drew me in to try and understand it. And the more you watch, uh, trust me, the more interesting it gets. It, uh, it, it will get. I totally agree, Mel, because yeah. I, I do a little bit of coaching with the netball side, so I kind of watch a little different sports here and there and pick up a little a few things. And me watching um, Gridiron – I pick a lot of things from netball, just like how oh, the really? – Oh, really? Yeah, 100%. Like I'm a defender, so for the defenders in the um, in any team that play NFL, they hustle to keep either the running back not touched. So sort of like that defensive force to keep that person, whoever's got the ball, unstoppable yeah. in their way, you know what I mean? So little things like that make me um, look at a lot, well, a lot of sports to just see it- how they play their game. Definitely. It's a it's a highly strategic sport. You have one side offense trying to predict what the defense is going to do. You have the defense trying to predict what the offense is going to do every single play. So that just gives you an idea of how complex it is. Um, and there's there's just very little room for um, mistakes as well, which is what I love. It's definitely more tactical than most, most sports. Yeah. But um, do you think out of all the sports people that we have here in Australia, who would like, yeah, okay, we got um, Jared Hayne. <laughs> who who, who do you think would like be perfect for that sport? Like you can Ooh, just roll uh, in and go. Maybe you should try. I mean, it depends what position, doesn't it? Because they they're all so different. A quarterback is very much required to learn a lot about the game and have a great arm. Um, maybe not be as quick on their feet. Whereas if you're a running back, you have to be quick. You have to be strong. You have to be low to the ground. Um, and then you have wide receivers who are usually well over six foot two and um, big and tall and strong as well. So I guess if you're talking rugby league or rugby union players, they physically probably most suited. I like to think Sonny Bill Williams could give it a crack. Um, he's just a beast of a human being and um, and extremely talented with his skills, with his ball skills and stuff. So I would see that transition being quite seamless, to be honest. But it all comes down to the playbook, doesn't it? I was going to say, Sonny yes. Bill is just an athlete. I think he'd be fantastic mm. at almost oh, yeah. any sport he sort of tried. Like, yeah, sure. uh, he just works his – his body is his job. Yeah, so right. he has to – and I can just imagine what his dinner prep would be like. <laughs> Do you think he protein. does his dinner prep? Uh, I don't know who does it, but I just know he would be to the T just to keep his body in line. Absolutely. <laughs> well, he's hardly ever injured. No, he isn't. He's phenomenal, yeah. Sonny Bill Williams. There's only one guy that I know who is George, um, George Smith. He is unbreakable. That body, he's not had anything wrong with him and he's still playing. And that's the thing that people often, um, as a misconception about NFL, they think, oh, they wear the helmet and pads. What a bunch of wusses. But when you actually wear those helmeted pads, it means you can hit a whole lot harder because these guys seemingly feel less of the impact, although there is a lot of impact to be felt. I will say that. Yeah, um, but, but I don't know how they tackle. Support. Their tackle technique needs a bit of an upgrade. <laughs> it's hard to bring those guys down by the feet. They do a lot more foot drills and stuff in training. They've, they've really got tippy toes 
it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> well, Mel, I think you've convinced me. I think next year I'll have to start, I don't know, maybe ladies who lateral or ladies who linebacker. I might do like a little Twitter poll and see what people yeah. think. Yeah. And, yeah. and have a crack at the NFL. Girls you, will go exactly what you team. did, Mel. Yeah, I <laughs> think it, I, I need to adopt a team. Oh. I need to adopt an underdog team for my very own and, and then I'll be in. Who's your team in, in 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 another sport? I can maybe give you a, a tip of maybe who you might like. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I support the uh, Parramatta Eels in the rugby league. Okay, okay, Parramatta Eels. Ooh. Well, then you got to say Jared Hayne might be a tip for the same. Yeah, actually, that's time. probably good. I <laughs> but, think um, that's a good idea. However, you know they're not doing so great these days. I mean, maybe you'd I'm prefer. I'm used to that. It's okay. I support the Eels. I'm used to it not not going so well, though, so that's <laughs> fine. I mean, they they did okay in the nines, didn't they? So maybe you'd be an Oakland Raiders supporter. They're um they're also a bit of underdogs, but they're in a, in the midst of a bit of a, a resurgence as well, All and they right. have a great history behind them. So maybe the Oakland Raiders. Actually, that sounds it. pretty good. Okay, I'm going to look into San Francisco, and I'm going to look into the Oakland Raiders. Thanks, Mel. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming on this morning. Um, I've loved talking Super Bowl with you. I, I hope you'll come on again and talk other sports with us as well. Absolutely. I consume all and many, many sports. That's what we <laughs> so like it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mel. All <laughs> Thanks, right, we'll Mel. talk to you later. Bye. All right, have a good one. All right, well, we might go to a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Rugby Sevens. And now we're going to talk all things Rugby Sevens. Mon, I'm going to go straight to you because you were there. Yeah, it was unreal. Like the atmosphere, I've never actually been to a tournament like this and Sevens was a party tournament. It was beautiful to watch. Oh, good. Well, we've also got Jill Scanlon on the line who was also there. Morning, Jill. Morning, Mary. Morning, Mon. Morning. Uh, yeah, it was, look, it, it, like Mon said, there's nothing like a Sevens tournament and I've gotten fairly involved in um, Sevens, watching it and reporting on it and writing about it, etc. over the last couple of years. And But I, I only went to my first proper World Rugby tournament last year. I went to Hong Kong Sevens, which everyone says is the uh, one you have to go to. Yes, for the, definitely. For the party. What was that like? On, oh, Honestly, you go after the first, and and I went for like five or more days. So even before the actual competition had started, the actual core world, world rugby competition had started, I I hadn't been there twenty four hours before. I said I am so coming back next year. Oh, it brilliant. is the most amazing place to go to for that sporting event over you know and there's so much happening around it and that and and I think Sydney to a great degree they worked the ARU worked very hard on this the sevens unit and that and I think they they worked hard to try and replicate it or to try and reach the standard that is Hong Kong this is what they envisioned Sydney sevens as hopefully becoming very much appearing to London and Hong Kong as the really big tournaments, and Dubai for that matter, as the big tournaments on the world circuit. And I think they ticked all the boxes. It oh. was unbelievable. I was, was actually going to ask really you what would be the difference, but I'm glad it's, no. it is similar to the Hong Kong Sevens because I heard a lot about yes. it. Um, but, yes. yeah, this is my first experience with the Sevens, um, the way it was and the way they showed it, and it was oh, it was unreal. I actually wanted to dress up and just go nuts and pretend <laughs> I was somebody else. I was going to ask, did either of you dress up? Jill, what did you wear? I, I have to confess, I was there in what you might call a you know, professional capacity and I was sitting in the press area and that and while I'm sure I could have dressed up, but no, oh. shorts and a shirt were it for me. I was looking very, <laughs> I had my, had my lanyard on and I was, no, I thought I better be a little bit more professional. But, but uh, there are moments, no, not, there are moments, I bet you, any moment that you wanted to stand up and just go nuts like everyone else. Like it was, it was such oh, a now, good feeling. Don't think dressing up precludes going, standing up and going nuts. <laughs> 
I had a couple of her heads. Mind you, we were all, when the Australians were playing, we were all leaping up out of our seats and screaming, not yeah. the whole press, everybody. But, um, yes, I, I did have a couple of heads turning because I have real trouble <laughs> restraining myself when, you know, when you get really excited in your sporting matches and all the rest of it. So, no, I was doing my fair share of, had nothing to do with what I was wearing. I was doing my, my fair share of jumping up and screaming and, and what have you. It was really good to see. Jill, do you think they should do this a bit with the rugby, um, with the Super 15? Because I was like, we could do this at halftime or during, you know, breaks when they have it, when they call the scrums and whatnot. Like, do you think that could happen? I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, I don't like making the comparisons and a lot of people make comparisons to the world of cricket with T20s mm. versus test cricket to sevens versus, you know, sevens being the party angle versus test cricket, um, versus uh, 15s. I'm not sure you could carry it off because the beauty of sevens is that it's the fast paced action. So yeah. it's it's just constant. So while you're actually, people are all watching the rugby, you just can't take your eyes off the pitch, but they're also having fun. So it tends to strip down a lot of the inhibitions and everyone's screaming and yelling and that's the beauty of the matches only going for 14 minutes and then, you know, five minutes later you've got another pair of teams running out in the field and everyone picks a favourite. It's not like you're there just to support your own team. So I, I don't know that the same thing would happen if you just went to watch one 80-minute mm. match of Super Rugby. I think it's to do with the whole temperament and the whole atmosphere around the Sevens program, which with these world tournaments, obviously, you've got 50, give or take some, depending on the fixture, 50-odd matches in two days. So it's, you know, it's just fast-paced, it's action-packed, and it, it tends to be conducive to people having lots of fun and carrying on and losing their inhibitions and really having a great time. Don't know that you could translate that to Super Rugby or to fifteen to the 15s format. Yeah, fair enough. But I wish the crowd like that was there because sometimes we're oh, a little yes. bit conservative. But the whole of Fiji were at the Sevens, weren't they? Oh. The whole nation was at, in Sydney Football Stadium on the weekend. Yeah. It was unreal. They were so biased and, every, and everyone caught wind oh. of it. <laughs> I and was I have one of them. <laughs> People talk about, and the comment came out quite a lot on the weekend, like in the stands and that, that, you know, I think there's approximately 50,000 Fijians who live in Sydney and they were all at Allianz Stadium yeah. practically. They were. It was and, Fiji Day all over again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, you, you watch any of the tournaments around the world and they're very, very good at this. There, I mean, there are several things called the eights man, Fiji eights man, um, which Ben Ryan's had a bit to do with, but I know the London arm of it is huge. The UK arm of it is huge where they, they really do a very good job of gathering their local communities, you know, big Fijian community in the UK. Just everywhere, even you'll see them in a um, in next month in Las Vegas, which is the first of the two rounds that are in America, and they're in the Americas. They're, you know, they're everywhere. They they either follow or it brings out the the communities of Fijian supporters and that and Fijian nationals that are in those places. And they do not they don't just go and sit back. If you're Fijian and you're going to watch a round of World Rugby Sevens or any rugby sevens for that matter that Fiji's playing in, you've got your flag, you've got your bright bright yep. blue wig and you are out there to you Mate, are out we're there everywhere. to make noise. Mm. Yeah. The, the South Pacific are everywhere. Now Jill yep. I have to ask, I can't go any longer without talking about our Aussie girls who are looking so good ahead good, of Rio. So they won all three of their games against Ireland. They scored yeah. 13 tries and I think they only yeah. conceded two. Um, yeah. Who are your standout players? 
Um, look, it's really, I mean, you go for the ones that people talk about a lot and, and if you look at who scored the tries, it's across the board and mm-hmm. that's the beauty of, not only is that the beauty of sevens because of the nature of the game and there are seven people, players on the pitch, but it is the beauty of this Australian team. They are brilliant to watch and you'll have names like Elia Green and Charlotte Kaslick and just a few of them and Emily Cherry, who's a former international um, sevens player of the mm-hmm. year. And she's only 22, I think, Emily. She's all 23. It's a very, the average age of this group is 22. Yes. And and to be honest, that program they've had, um, this is their second year running. Like you can tell from the skill base from when they started, it was, it's, they're very clean. In terms of um, in terms of being professional, yeah, contractor and professional, they've been doing it for two years now, and they've been centralised with the men. I mean, it's a rarity, really, when you think about the sporting teams um, that we have in Australia, both men's and women's, in the same sport. These guys, they work together, they train together, they train alongside each other, and I know for a fact that a couple of sessions a week, they train with the men. They do mm-hmm. scrimmages, they have scrum practice, they have certain drills that they train with the men to toughen them up and also to teach the men some of the things they're doing. They, they openly say they exchange ideas between the men's and the women's team. They do it all together. It's a really unusual unit when you think about it for the men's and women's national teams, but they're, it's really sharpened them up. And, you know, I... I I honestly, I would be the first one to put my hand up to say Tim Walsh should be coach of the year any year. Oh. He is an outstanding coach. He's and got he's, two teams at the moment, mm-hmm. but lucky for oh. any friend, he's coming around. But um, yes, yeah. I, I, I agree would, with that. He's he's um, met, he's an incredibly intelligent rugby thinker. He's um, and he's very good with the girls. He's. He, he enjoys, you can tell that they're a family unit, he enjoys the feedback he gets from the girls and the way they all communicate. And apparently they're constantly coming to him with ideas and, and questions, constantly questioning what they need to do, how they need to do it. The one thing you get out of talking to this team and to all the women on the team is that they're a family. They're very much a family unit. They all have the older ones, mentor the really young ones. He's got some 18-year-olds he's brought in. Um, they're a really strong family unit. So on the weekend, it was really about them. Uh, and this is not, no way to no way in no way berating Ireland, but Ireland are ranked 12th in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to get some, you know, get their legs running, get some match practice ahead of um, the the upcoming World Series rounds. So that's fine. There, there was probably no doubt that Australia were going to win. It was a question of the girls, you know. The main, there were two points. The girls had to blow out some cobwebs, get a bit of a tournament run before Sao Paulo next week. And the other part was that they wanted to show the Australian public who they what were and what they could do. Yeah. And they absolutely did that. Yeah, the absolutely crowd went nuts when they, when they oh, did their stuff. They did. Yeah, it's absolutely. good to see. I would even, have said even the, the males, yeah, even the males were yeah. getting right into it. So it was good to see yep. all, the, all the dads and uncles and the brothers and whatnot just sitting yep. on the sidelines cheering them on. Yep. But um, out of, re- out of that group of girls, who do you who do you who did you pick as someone to watch? Uh, well, you always everyone will always have their eyes on Elia. Yeah, um, yeah well, Ellie, you can't she's miss got the her. Brains. And, and, it's hard, yeah, it's hard and to you, miss. yeah. She is very hard to miss and she's so extroverted and that, but she's also, she flies down the sideline and it's just beautiful to watch. And everyone, that's why she's there. She was an elite sprinter who was going to this year's Olympics as a sprinter. That's what they were aiming at several years ago. Um, and by an absolute quirk of fate and a few a few lucky decisions in some ways, you know, grabbing the opportunity, this is where she is now. So she's always someone 
that you're going to watch. Um, a couple of the young ones are really good. I was I was impressed by um, one of the new 18-year-olds, Sinead Chizolka, who, who came through and she scored a try at one point, I think. She's yep, one of the three 18-year-olds involved, yeah. Um, one of the other ones had played the week before. I'm just saying, Dom Detroy played this weekend. The week before in Wellington, there was another one who played. I think Laura might have played. Um, they, he he bloods them through and they and they show their stuff. The other thing is, um, you would have noticed uh, Mahalia Murphy. I love her. Yeah, I and love she's her. come across from yeah, she's come across. So she's going to get another run next week in Brazil. Um, they, you know, they've just got a whole lot. So that there's, there's always someone to watch. There are the standard core players who really always, always put in. In terms of new, it's really hard to pick a standout. I mean, you'll always see, like I say, the new ones coming through. But the beauty of sevens, and especially this women's group, is so wonderful to watch because every single one of them contributes something. So you could name anyone, be it Charlotte Kayslick, Alicia Quirk. Emily Cherry, like I said, constantly going like Nicole. Everyone will now remember Nicole Beck's chase down on was it day one or two? The uh, chase down of the I Irish girl across two. the line. Yeah, and she's a mother of the group too, so that's my yeah. hat goes off to that as well. So she's yeah, she's, she's doing twenty seven, twenty eight. Yep. Well, Sophie's three or four now, and she's just it's amazing. She's gone through a lot of injury over the last couple of years, and uh, she was just amazing. And it really just in that one chase down encapsulated for the public exactly what this is about, that she kept going and she stopped that try was unbelievable. So, Jill, while it was such a good result for the girls, I might leave the men's result to speak about another time because um, (laughs) they ended up going down to New Zealand with a try on the siren to lose 27-24. So we might wrap up on Rugby Sevens because I can't go any longer without talking about Rugby League. I've been so well behaved up to this point. but I'm amazed you've restrained yourself. I know. So we might take a quick break (laughs) and then we'll come back and talk about Auckland Nines. And finally, the topic that I've been waiting to talk about all morning, uh, the Auckland Nines, a fantastic weekend in Auckland last weekend, and I was lucky enough to be there. Ladies, I will accept your congratulations on behalf of the Parramatterials. <laughs> yes, well done, well done. Thank you. Look, I, I wasn't alive the last time Parramatta won a premiership in 1986. Um, so it, was, it could be a good omen for this year. It, look, I've had a couple of good moments in the last couple of months. So there was winning Super Coach, there was the Sydney mm. Thunder winning the WBBL and the BBL, and now the Eels have won the Nines. My luck's going to run <gasps> out shortly. Buy oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> that could be I, a good omen. That's what mum said. Buy a lottery ticket. Buy a lottery <laughs> ticket. Yeah. Far out. Um, so any questions about the nines? Well, what, how was it? What's the experience like? If we're talking, you know, we were talking about sevens earlier about the comparison with Hong Kong and Sydney, la-di-da, what's Wellington um, sevens compared to the rugby nines? So I think the word that I would use to describe the nines is celebration. It was a celebration of sport. It was a celebration of junior talent. It was a celebration of the game, of fans. Everyone was just out there to have a really good time. And because we're not at the serious end of the rugby league season yet, uh, the players are really relaxed and the fans are really relaxed too. So the players were all out there signing autographs, getting photos. The kids were having a great time. The NRL did a whole series of community visits as well while um, they were in Auckland. And the crowd was just in really high spirits for the entire weekend. I loved it. So that, that you got that impression from everything from what you were just saying. You got that impression when you looked at all the social media and all the media coming out about it. But the actual, the actual gameplay on the field. Mm-hmm. Did you do you feel that nines works? Yeah, I think it's a tremendous concept. So similar to what you guys were saying about the sevens, and that is 
in that you don't have a favourite, that's exactly what the nines were like as well. So I found myself cheering for a number of teams, um, Mm. watching the young guns. So the Bulldogs and the Roosters were were criticised for the teams they announced because they were full of such junior talent. But in the end, the Bulldogs and the Roosters, there are a couple of real shining stars to come out of those those teams. So especially for the Roosters, we had Latrell Mitchell. He was absolutely incredible. Mon's, Mon's booing me. Yeah, Manly's, Manly's just in Mona Vale Hospital. Oh, well, they <laughs> recovering. are. Recovering. Well, that's something else we can talk about, yeah, the injuries. That's, yes, exactly. Well, I know you said you like the concept. Um, I'm thinking of a professional athlete. I'm not so professional mm. anymore, but <laughs> having to, if you if you want a big spectacle, you'd want to get your big plays, right, mm-hmm. to draw in the crowd. But having the young ones around, I reckon it's a good concept for those juniors to mm-hmm. come through, maybe the 20s and mm-hmm. whatnot. But someone, I guess that's when the coaches need to say, yep, you know, you need a rest, season's coming up close, we, you know, we'll put such and such on. So how do you see that going forward? Like do you think there'll be more juniors rather than big the big guns coming out? So when I think about Trent Barrett and the reaction that he had in relation to all the injuries that happened, really it was only Banley that suffered injuries. So they lost um they lost Turbo Trebojevic and they also lost Jamie Bura. There are a couple of other minor injuries, but on the whole, for the amount of games that were played and the amount of minutes spent on the field, I actually think we came of came out of it, you know, relatively injury free. And when you take the field, there's always going to be a risk that there'll be an injury. But I think that's very much for the coaches to manage, mm. you know, the strength so of the squad. So it's un- it, it seems unusual that it was one team that seemed to get a good amount of the injury. So was it the way they played or subbed, or was it just literally mm. that Manly were unlucky? So. I think it's a little bit of everything because we we saw a couple of concussions as a result of Conrad Hurrell okay. and his and his technique. I think he'll need to look at that over the season because okay. that looked a bit problematic. But I think Manly were just a bit unlucky, to be honest. No other team really suffered any injuries. No, nah, you're Manly all against did. us. <laughs> That's you all wanted to get us down unhappy. just because we're always in top eight. <laughs> Jesus. I was unhappy at the end of the weekend when I read that Cameron Munster had done his knee or something. I just, yeah. you know, as a storm fan down here, I'm thinking, oh, no. Even oh. though Billy's back, Cameron did a wonderful job last year filling in uh, Billy's spot, and he would be great to have still there on the on the sidelines ready to come or, or do a slightly different role. But um, I was a bit disturbed to see he'd actually hurt his knee. Yeah, so I, I haven't kept up with what's going on with Cameron Munster, but I think he'll, he shouldn't be out for too long from what I've heard. Good. Um, that was my only complaint. <laughs> can we please talk about Parramatta, please? Oh, <laughs> yeah, who? Who were your best players? Oh, who were you your best like? players? Go uh, so Bevan French, uh, he was a name that not many people would have heard of before the Auckland Nines. He was tremendous. I lost count of the amount of tries that he scored for Parramatta over the weekend, and he was so fast, like lightning fast. Um, Semi Radradra, he had a tremendous season last year, top try scorer in the NRL, and he's now top try scorer at the Nines as well. It was great to see him back in action. And Cora mm. Norman as well also had a really good tournament. The three of them were all named in the team of the tournament. Um, I have to say that I was really pleased with Parramatta's performance. I don't want to take too much out of the Nines. I was going to say, like, if you were to lead into a season now by taking mm. what the result is in the Nines, do you think Parramatta is going to be up there? Look, Parramatta. I love Jennings. Oh, well, that's the thing about Parramatta. So they've recruited really well over the off-season. So our new additions are, you know, Jennings, we've got Foran, we've got Bo yeah. Scott, uh, we've got Michael Gordon. So on paper, we, we are a good team. The aim for Parramatta this year has to be to make the eight. 
it won't be good yeah. enough if we don't make the eight this year. Um, and I'm hoping that after the nines, it gives the players some confidence and, you know, helps lead them into the season on a really positive note. But Mon, I want to talk about Manly as well, because they <laughs> get my bravery award for the entire weekend. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Because they were down to 13 players by the time the tournament <clears throat> finished and they still managed to play finals. So yeah. good on them. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they breed them tough down there. Oh, <laughs> up there. <laughs> Absolutely. So Manly get my bravery award and so did the Titans. I was uh, really impressed with the way they played over the weekend, considering, you know, the drama that they sort of had over the off season. Last year they lost Aiden Caesar and they missed out on Daily Cherry Evans. Um, James Roberts walked out over the off season. But they played some really good, exciting football over the weekend and I think a lot of people were surprised at how far they progressed in the tournament. So the Titans might be a team to keep an eye on this year. That's good. Yeah. That's good for the community as well. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah, there are a lot of Gold Coast fans ready to, to jump on that Titans bandwagon and hopefully we can see more support for that team coming out of the nines and as we head into the season in a couple of weeks. So your prediction come the NRL season? Who's going to win? Well, yeah, make it early. Oh, far out. Start early. Jeez, that's that's really tough. Hey, if you want to put your odds in now, you might as well just get it in. This is your um, ticket. This is my ticket. Um. I love a good fairy tale story, so maybe I'll say the sharks, the Cronulla sharks. I don't think. Look, they made the top four last year, um, and I'm hoping that you know this year sees them get a little bit better. You're just nice. I I think I'm just nice. The Broncos. uh, Look, the Broncos last year. I didn't think that they would win the grand final, and they didn't. But I think they're also building something pretty special up in Brisbane. So perhaps the Broncos as well with players like. Anthony Milford and hopefully Ben Hunt bounces back after the grand final last year. Maybe the Broncos. What do you two think? Right. Oh, Manly. Well, oh, look, I should have yeah, just well, said Parramatta. You, know, you should have because I was like, so. that's ridiculous talk. <laughs> look, I didn't want to be too biased. I've already spent some time. No. Um, I love my Melbourne team. I'm Melbourne Storms. But, um, yeah, hmm. like, yeah, I'm sticking to Manly. All right. Okay. So if we're going to do loyalty, then Parramatta are going to win the Inshallah Premiership Peninsula, this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I don't think we need to worry about, you know, t- um, playing around with trying not to be biased here. I think we've all held up our hands as to what we're thinking. But <laughs> I'm curious as to how you think um, the nines as a tournament and in terms of what you've seen on the pitch. And obviously quite a few of the teams took young players. They were blooding and everything. Mm-hmm. But how does it reflect at all on what you expect to come out of the season? It's a long season. And, you know, and as is the same with the AFL and that, do these pre-seasons reflect at all on what is probably going to come out of the season? Look, I, I don't think so. I think we've got to look at them separately and I don't think you can take too much out of what happened in the nines. Uh, it was interesting from actually a super coach perspective because a lot of young players mm-hmm. got a bit of a run, so people will be keeping an eye on those young players as, as the season progresses. Obviously, the strongest teams are going to be announced come round one and hopefully we see a couple of those youngsters get a run throughout the year. So, yeah. you know youngsters like Latrell Mitchell, like Tyler Cornish, also from the Roosters, Tyrone Phillips from the Bulldogs, um, Ignatius Parsi, he was also really good for the Titans and Bevan French, okay. I'd love to see him have a run for the Eels this year. Yeah, it, his name keeps coming up. So it'll be interesting. it will be interesting to see. I mean, like you say, they, they use these pre-season tournaments and it's nice they've now found a fun way to do it. I wish the AFL would find something mm, like that. But they need something. Now they've found a good, oh, they certainly do. <laughs> um, but now that they've found a good way to do it, it's interesting to see how they use it to blood these young ones in terms of, you know, match time, tournament time without actually 
doing inflicting any great damage or putting them too de- too far into the deep end. So it's um, it is going to be interesting to see how many of them they will then pull through from this experience and try and put through in the first say ten rounds of the season where they can play a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and the rugby league action continues tonight. We've got two games. We've got the Charity Shield and the All Stars game. Uh, bring it on! I can't wait for rugby league to come back. I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. I know. It gets sometimes you sort of think. You know, we're so lucky here in Australia. There is so much sport going on. Even when you cross between the the traditional seasons of you know summer and winter sports, it's like there is no break in the season. There's just the there's like the shoulder part of the season, and then there's just each season. And then you think, nah, you can never have too much sport. It's great. It's nah, just you know just keep bringing it on. It's just everywhere. I completely agree, and it'll probably leave us plenty to talk about next week as well. It will indeed. Thanks. I'm sure. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Jill. It's been fantastic talking to you. I've loved it been an absolute pleasure, Mary. Thank you very much for having me and uh, good to talk to you, Mon. Yes, likewise, Jill. Have a good one. And while I could sit here and talk about the Parramatta Eels all day and, Mon, I'm sure you could sit here and talk about the Manly Sea Eagles all day. All day. It's probably time for us to say goodbye. Uh, thank you so much, Mon, for coming in. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, so that's Podcast One Done and Dusted. You can get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ladies Who League. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and let us know if there's a topic that you want us to talk about next week. Um, and until next week, you've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Ladies who lay.